This is our Halloween special, so things are about to get a bit creepy. We'll be discussing autopsy, execution, miscarriage, and other sensitive topics. So be forewarned that this episode will dip into the macabre at times. Why? Why? Why did you call yours uh, Circle Obelis? This is where she started vocalizing in the coffin. She wasn't hanged properly. Jim, so in the course of your training, did you ever have to perform dissections? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was the there was the ordinary coursework, like uh, in dissecting brains. But I also worked in a lab briefly at the University of Washington where we we sliced human brains very, very thin and then scanned them. Did you have to psych yourself up to, to do that? Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, even telling the story now, there's so many psychological elements to juggle, especially when you're first starting. You know, I'm not the pathologist, right? I'm the assistant, right? right. So I'm just like, you know, cutting things or pulling stuff out. Yeah, the worst parts of yeah, it. Yeah, the worst parts of it. The dance is there's body and fluid and goo and blood and just it's gross. And it's a person who's yeah. loved and cherished and who has dignity. Right. So I've got a story to share with you. And this is the story of Anne Green. It's a very interesting um, story. She worked in the house of Sir Thomas Reed, who was a justice of the peace. She was a scullery maid. She was 22 years old. And Green has been seduced by Geoffrey Reed. He had a grandson who was like 16 or 17 who would like hit on her all the time. And they had sex. She got pregnant. And she had a miscarriage. Pretty early on. After 17 weeks of, of pregnancy. Didn't really know that she was pregnant at the time. Basically, there was a law. If you hid a pregnancy and it resulted in a miscarriage. Then it's murder. She was prosecuted by the grandfather of the man who got her pregnant. Holy so she, shit. I, as far as I can tell, at least, the midwife testified that, like, yeah, this fetus was, like, entirely underdeveloped. There's no way it would have survived. It's not that she killed the infant, um, which is what she was being tried for. All of the evidence was really in her favor, and it didn't matter. <laughs> Found guilty and hanged in Oxford Castle on 14th of December in 1650. Uh, Willis was dissecting uh, usually with uh, William Petty, who uh, was the Tomlin's reader of anatomy, a position which is still associated to Christchurch uh, College. Petty could claim the body of uh, 14 executed prisoners a year for uh, dissections. And in those days, in Oxford, there was no anatomical theater. So they just dissected in their studies. And he lived in Buckley Hall. And uh, this is where Anne Green's body was delivered. She wasn't hanged properly. <laughs> uh, in fact, she was hanging for half an hour. When they hang someone, it's not, you know, the lack of oxygen. It's, it's really the drop. Uh, and your body weight is basically dislocating your your cervical spine. And then you have uh, this so-called hangman fracture, 
and then your brainstem is compressed and that's basically instantaneous death. The relatives, according to the records, they even tried to accelerate her death and they were hanging on her feet and <laughs> but then she was cut down half an hour later and uh, she was put into the coffin and delivered um, to Patty. And this is where she started vocalizing in the coffin. The soldiers wanted to help her to die and they were stamping on her chest. And if you think about it... They could have been restarting her heart. Famously is one of the best ways to save someone in a scenario of circulatory distress. Yeah, Thomas Willis and William Petty, who are like autopsy bros, crack it open and they see that she's breathing and that she has a pulse. Then she started to come around and uh, Willis and Patty uh, let some blood out. That was the treatment in those days. And they also pushed down some feather through her uh, throat. They um, give her a tobacco enema, because that'll help. Just the things you do. The things you do. I mean, here, okay. (laughs) I want to pause on the tobacco enema for a second. (laughs) Tobacco is a stimulant. It is a stimulant. And you know why enemas happen? Because there are very rapid absorption um, into your bloodstream through the lower bowel. Well, so that's what they're um, trying to do, too. So you get a tobacco enema, and it could very well be like smoking a bunch of cigarettes all of a sudden. That's true. And then they put her in bed with another lady to warm her up. And the woman was tasked to massaging her limbs and and keep blood flow going and and warm her up. And she recovered. She lived, but she didn't just live, right? She, She kind of flourished. She even took the coffin a few days later with her. So Thomas Moore died three days after Anne Green's attempted execution. Perhaps out of fright from her resurrection? Basically, uh, Willis and, and, and Patty, they produced a small flyer, which uh, there is a copy in the Bodleian Library about this, where they describe this whole story, a wonder of wonders, because they resurrected uh, you know, somebody from death. And after this, they became extremely famous, and uh, they had a huge flow of patients, and they could charge anything for their services. The trauma in this scenario from so many parties, I mean, her family and friends trying to aid in her death, her obviously being stuck in a coffin for presumably hours on end, and then Willis and Petty seeing someone come to life. And I mean, when you're as religious as them, I can only imagine their reactions to that. From my perspective, like she had a little bit of humor about it because she took her coffin home with her <laughs> in a couple of days. Like, oh, well, at least I got a coffin out of yeah. this. Eventually, this will come in handy. Although there were some in the public who wanted Anne Green to be executed again, there was no one around willing to prosecute her. Overall, it was deemed an act of God that she was alive and the matter was laid to rest. Going back to the philosophical concepts of the day, we asked Stephen Maroney what a dualist might think of an apparent resurrection. This is a really interesting case because how you respond to a case of resurrection really depends on what kind of dualist you are. 